The Fields of Home by Ralph Moody, University of Nebraska Press, 1953, Chapter 7, Uncle Levi. Lord God, you establish our families. You put us in the exact specific family we grow up in. In that, Lord, we're taught and trained, we're challenged, we're um, matured. And I thank you for the family you've put me in and uh, have brought our kids into. And I pray in that family you are glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it took me a day and a half to finish mowing the orchard, and I had a good time doing it. The mowing machine didn't give me much trouble, and the yellow colt only balked twice. Both times, Grandfather was away from the field, and the old horse hated having his ears wired so much that neither of his balky spells lasted more than a few minutes. Grandfather didn't come near the machine once while I was mowing. He spent almost about half his time away from the orchard, and, but every time I saw him, he was swinging a scythe as fast as he could go. My second afternoon was bad. Grandfather gave me a right-handed snath and scythe and made me mow under the apple trees with him. I'd always been left-handed, the same as he was, and couldn't make the right-handed scythe come within a foot of going where I wanted it to. I tried hard enough that I got water blisters on both hands, but I couldn't keep the blade from bumping into rocks. Grandfather scolded at me all afternoon, and the more he scolded, the worse I did. When the sun was nearly down to the top of the pines, he shouted, Hang up that snath and scythe and go fetch the cows. Never seen such an awkward, useless boy in all the days of my life. And I was so mad when I brought the cows in that I made up my mind to go back to Colorado just as soon as I could get my suitcase packed. I banged the stanchion bars around the last cow's neck, stuck the hold peg in place, and was turning toward the tie-up door when from just outside Millie called hurry up Ralphie supper's on the fire and Levi's here I'd done all the rest of the chores already then she turned and ran back to the house like a little girl when I went into the back pantry I'd have known Uncle Levi was there even if no one told me and I couldn't hear his voice the table was stacked with big paper bags and bundles oranges were spilling out of one bag that was lying on its side from the shape of another I knew it was crammed full of bananas and the side half a dozen smaller bags, there were two big bundles in slick brown paper that I knew would be meat. Hi there, Ralphie, he called to me from the kitchen as soon as I had my cap off. How's Thomas using you? I couldn't say anything except, all right, I didn't know you were coming down. Didn't know it myself, he called back till I got Thomas's letter making out like he was on the point of death. Thomas, it's a god wonder you ain't scared ten years off, off my life. How many times, right in the midst of haying, have you wrote and let on like you was dying? Ain't feeling well. Ain't feeling well. Ain't been feeling up to scratch for more than a month, Grandfather snapped at him. Looking purrs a peacock to me, Uncle Levi told him. Don't calculate. There's nothing wrong with you that a little good meat to eat and a little help in haying won't fix. Didn't know Ralphie was down here. Ain't he considerable help here to you? <laughs> Ain't no more of a farmer than you be. Swings a snap and scythe like it was a flail swingle. Wants to fritter away all his time round the carriage house tinkering up machinery. By fire, I never seen a boy that thought he knowed so tarnal much and could do so little. Telling me to plant strawberries and tomatoes. Humph. Take a man a year to learn him. You can't cut stones with a scythe. With grandfather talking that way about me, I didn't want to go into the kitchen. So I pumped a pan full of water and was all ready to wash my hands when Uncle Levi came out into the back pantry. The first thing he did was to reach out to shake hands and then said, Thomas, don't think nobody's a farmer unless he can swing a scythe. The blisters on my hand hurt when Uncle Levi squeezed it, and I guess I winced a little, just a little. He turned my hand over and looked at it. 
Then he reached for the other one and looked at it, too. Thomas, what in the world have you been doing with this boy? He asked sharply. Ain't been doing nothing except trying to learn him how to swing a snapping scythe, Grandfather snapped back. Why ain't you put gloves on him? His hands look like two hunks of meat at, at hunks of half at dog meat. Ain't going to have no lily-fingered fill around here. Ain't nothing the matter with them. Hands that time and work won't cure. Did you ever see a decent dirt farmer wearing gloves? I didn't want to hear them wrangling the very first night Uncle Levi was there. So I said, they'll be all right just as soon as, but Uncle Levi cut me off. Thomas, it's a wonder. He stopped right there, dropped my hand, went back in the kitchen. Millie had just put a big slab of steak into the red hot frying pan and it sputtered and hissed so loud. I didn't want to, I didn't hear what Uncle Levi was saying to grandfather. They kept wrangling all the time I was washing my face and hands and combing my hair. But they didn't shout as much as they had been. Once I heard grandfather holler, Mary sent him down here to be made a man out of, and by thunder, I calculate I'm making him one. Just like you've done with Frankie, Uncle Levi shouted back. First thing you know, he'll be gone off somewhere to learn a trade. For a minute, I thought I'd go in and tell them they didn't need to worry because I was going right away then. I was going away right then, but Millie called. Victuals ready, and the steak did smell awfully good. Millie didn't act at all as she had for the past three days. She had on a pink calico dress that was starched so stiff it could have stood alone and was as happy as if she were at her own birthday party. As soon as the steak was on the platter, she whisked half a dozen big baked potatoes and a pan of hot biscuits out of the oven, brought a jar of wild strawberry jam from the cellarway, and said, Sit right down here by the window, Levi. It's a sight for sore eyes to see you down here again. Thomas, he's been feeling poorly since spring. It'll do him a sight of good to have you here for a spell. Don't know when you and I ever... Don't know when ever I seen a piece of yard goods as pretty as that you fetched me. Ain't nothing, ain't nothing, Uncle Levi grumbled as he pulled his chair up to the table. Scared something terrible might be the matter with Thomas. Didn't have time to do much shopping. Ralphie, didn't know you was here or I'd have fetched you something. Grandfather didn't seem a bit hungry when he first sat down at the table. He only took a little corner of steak onto his plate and then kept pushing it around with his knife and fork. Millie scolded him for not eating then got a cushion and put it behind his back. She scooped out half a baked potato onto his plate, put gravy from the steak platter on it, and spooned him out some of the strawberry jam, but he still only ate a mouthful or two. After a few minutes, she looked up at Uncle Levi and said, Levi, you got any medicine upstairs in your valise? She hardly had the words out of her mouth when Grandfather shouted, Ain't nothing the matter with me. Don't need it. Don't need the tarnal stuff. I tell you, I ain't sick and I ain't tired. I just ain't hungry, that's all. Neither of them paid a bit of attention to Grandfather. Uncle Levi was in his stocking feet and had them up on the little shelf under the table. He let them drop to the floor, pushed his chair back, and said, Wouldn't surprise me none if there were, might be a drop or two up there. Then, while Millie unlaced Grandfather's boots and pulled them off, Uncle Levi went padding up the front stairs. I heard a board or two squeak in the chamber where I'd been sleeping, and in a couple of minutes he came back with a half-empty quart bottle in his hand. There was a broken green sticker over the cork, and a picture of a crow on the label. Grandfather watched, but he didn't say anything, while Millie measured a teaspoon of the whiskey into the glass, put in a heaping spoonful of sugar, and filled the glass with hot water. It smelled good when she sat it beside Grandfather's plate. He wrinkled up his nose a little and grumbled, Don't need the tarnal stuff. Ain't sick. But he picked the glass up and lifted his eyebrows high as he slooped a little sip from the glass. Millie hadn't given the bottle back to Uncle Levi, but he walked around the table and picked it up. 
Before he put the cork back in it, he turned the bottle up and took a big, long swallow. A couple of dozen, dozen little air bubbles went dancing up through the red liquor. He didn't raise his eyebrows the way grandfather had, but when he took the bottle down, he shut his eyes tight, shook his head like a horse with a fly in its ear. Then he took the bottle back upstairs. When he was gone, grandfather kept telling me what wicked stuff whiskey was and that the Almighty never planned for it anything but medicine. Planned it for anything but medicine. And where people who went, went who drank it just for the fun the way Uncle Levi did. But he kept sipping too and smacked his lips after every sip. When it was all gone, he cut himself a piece of steak bigger than the one I had and he ate it all. I did the milking and fed the calf while Millie was washing the supper dishes. When I came back into the house, Grandfather was dozing at the kitchen table. Old Bess was sitting with her head in his lap, and Uncle Levi was asleep in the high-backed rocking chair. He had his feet up on the hot water tank at the back of the stove, and the magazine he'd been reading had fallen on his chest. Millie strained the milk and put it away while I was blowing out the lantern and washing my hands. Then she scrubbed her hands until I thought she'd peel the skin off them. She didn't say a word to me until she'd gone to her room brought out a long, flat bolt of checkered gingham and stood with a pantry window pane for a mirror shaping the end of the cloth over her shoulders and around her neck. Pretty, ain't it? She asked at last in a low whisper. Levi don't never come down. He don't fetch me something pretty. Does he come very often, I whispered. No telling when he'll come or when he'll go. Comes when Thomas is down sick or when he makes him think so. Goes when they get to squabbling so devilish hard they can't abide one another no longer. Sometimes Levi has to go off back to Boston when he's got a job of work to do. Brick Mason, devilish good one, I hear tell. Only man aroundabouts can put the lining, linings in glass furnaces. As she whispered, she wound the checkered gingham back on the flat spool, folded the paper around it, tucked it under her arm, and held both hands out toward me. Let's see them hands, she said. She took both my hands in hers and turned the palms up toward the lamp. Devilish sore, ain't they, she asked. Why didn't you let on sooner? I didn't let on at all. I told her Uncle Levi just happened to notice them when we shook hands. Levi notices a lot of things a body wouldn't count on. They're all right, I said. They'll toughen up when I soak them in salt water. <clears throat> and saleratus helps keep the salt from burning so devilish bad. Sit down the table while I fix you something. Grandfather woke up when I sat down at the table. It was a warm night, and though the wood had burned out, the stove had quite a little heat left in it. I'd have wanted to sit near an open window, but Grandfather opened the oven door, drew the other rocking chair up close, and put both feet into the oven. Then, as he rocked his chair back and forth, he began to tell me about the time the lightning had struck the big barn in the middle of the night and burned it flat to the ground. Uncle Levi was still asleep in the high-backed rocker, and for a few sentences, Grandfather talked above the drone of, the, of his snoring. Then his head nodded forward, and he was asleep, too. Millie brought the wash basin, half filled with warm water, salt, and soda. As she sat in front of me, she whispered, Soak him good now. I'm going off to bed. You take the corner chamber next beyond Levi's. It's all ready and ain't been slept in since I filled the tick anew last husking time. Lamps is filled and ready there on the mantel. Take care Thomas is awake enough so he don't drop his lamp on the way to bed. Millie slept downstairs in the parlor, and Grandfather had his room in the other front corner of the house, just off the dining room and next to the parlor. When I had put my hands to soak, she took the lamp from the pantry, went first to Grandfather's room, and then I heard her moving quietly in the parlor. After a few minutes, Grandfather's head came up a little way, and he began talking about the fire again. He was still more asleep than awake. His voice was soft, and the words came in little gusts like the sound of a summer breeze blowing through dry grass. Twasn't long after Frankie, 
Portland, learn a trade. Not a critter saved, old Hannibal. Bellowed something awful. Twenty odd feet short in the big barn. His hand jerked right up straight for a minute. He looked over at me and said, One day I and you will build the piece back onto it, Ralphie. He spoke loud enough that we woke, he woke Uncle Levi, but in another minute they were both snoring again. The salt water made my hand sting to beat the band for a little while, and every muscle in my body ached, and I was, but I was awfully tired. The next thing I knew, Grandfather was shouting, Levi! Ralphie! I must have been sleeping there for a couple hours, with my hand soaking in the pan and my head resting on the edge of the table. When I opened my eyes, the moon had moved around, so it was coming in the south window. Grandfather was yawning and rubbing his bald spot. Gory sakes alive, he yawned. I must have nodded off a minute or two. Come, Levi, it's time all honest folks was abed. Grandfather was more awkward than any of us, so I didn't worry about his carrying his lamp, but lighted two from the mantle and went upstairs with Uncle Levi. No, Grandfather was more awake, sorry, than any of us. Uncle Levi's eyes were still only half open when I picked up my suitcase from beside his bed and went on to the next room. I just crawled into bed when Uncle Levi pushed open the door between our rooms. He had undressed down to his long underwear and had a little round nightcap on his head. He had his lamp in his hand and peered at me from under his eyebrows as though he were looking over the top of glasses. Sleep tight, boy, he whispered. Watch out, Thomas, don't work the tail off you. Then he went back into his own room. Well, it's good to have Uncle Levi there. He always brings a whole new way of looking at life. I love you.